lucky number seven, episode seven of Masters of Horror, second season, The Screwfly Solution, directed by Joe Dante with a script by Sam Ham, Sam Ham, Sam Ham, Sam Ham. I say Sam Ham because it sounds good. It's really fun to say Sam Ham. I will not lie. Uh, Now, this is based on a short story by a fascinating person I want a movie made about. I don't think there is one, but there needs to be. Um, Were you familiar with this author? So James Tiptree, a.k.a. Rakuna Sheldon, a.k.a. Alice Sheldon. No. Uh, Did you read anything about her? No. Oh, my God. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I did not research. I looked at the resources that you put on the the page, the uh, uh Facebook page, and then... And then that and was got it. distracted I by something away. shiny. I know how it is. Uh, you know how life is now. So this person has such a fascinating life. Um, so James Tiptree was a was a sci-fi writer um, for a long time, and pretty esteemed. And often people pointed out how he wrote for women very well, which, truthfully, in science fiction is often very rare. I've read some science fiction mm. with some very shitty writing for women. Um, and then it was, and then Screwfly Solution was published in sometime in the early seventies uh, under the name Rakuna Sheldon, who it turns out is actually James Tiptree, who is actually El- Alice Sheldon, who had such an interesting life. She was um, a very intelligent, smart woman who worked in a variety of careers, who worked at one point as a spy, I think, for the CIA, um, but who was also a prolific science fiction author who wrote using a male name, both because people would read her stuff then, Mm. and I think also because she had, like, a real job that this would have compromised if she had used her name for that. Um, But just a... Oh, oh, oh! And best of all, she was probably gay. Um, Apparently she was married, I think, twice... Um, but did, uh, had not struggled with her sexuality, but whatever it was at that time, like had kind of said, I think I'm attracted to women. Um, I think some of that is probably there in some of her work, I'm sure, but she didn't live openly. Just a fascinating, fascinating person. And I want to see a mini series about her life. I mean, yes. Um, that is all very fascinating. And I, uh, if you click into... Um, the IMDb listing for James Tiptree Jr. There is a lot of interesting information just there. Yeah. So if you are lazy like me, you could have easily <laughs> found it there, which I decided not to do. Um, that is all fascinating, and that is all wild. And I have a lot of things to say about people, about women that use male pseudonyms or like just initials. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hate it but I get it. Yeah. And I hate that I get it. Well, especially <laughs> in, I oh. mean, un, I mean, still today, but certainly in the seventies, certainly in the eighties. Oh my gosh. I don't, I do not begrudge this person anything yeah. like get it. I honestly, because like, not just, not just the fact that, you know, it was a woman writing, it was a woman writing this genre, mm-hmm. which is not, I mean, I, I, I bet no one took, or would have taken uh, any of it seriously if it was yeah. clearly well, and, uh, and, and when like it's, you, it's still a problem today. Yeah, especially with science fiction, where when you look at the world of science fiction, and whenever somebody says, "Oh, name the names," people always go to Heinlein and Asimov and so on. 
And yep. when you have Ursula Le Guin and Octavia Butler sitting right there, mm-hmm. and I think both have kind of over very, especially Octavia Butler, who I read in college and women's studies, um, but these women that were never going to be as financially mainstream successful because they wrote under their female names. Um, so it's, yeah, it is a shame. Uh, I, again, if, if I had an agent and he said, or she said, um, you know, you're going to sell more books as E and Travia than Emily and Travia, I would probably say, all right, go with E. I'll put my picture on the back, but I'm going to hope that men don't even take the time to look at the back of the cover. Cause, and, and recently that, um, piece of shit jk rowling has people have kind of come at her because she's written under a, a male pseudonym right, right as well as just being jk um and it and i and i get it like the people have called her like a gender traitor like like how dare you claim to be this this feminist who hates trans people but that's fine um she's trash but um how do you claim to be this feminist and you 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 won't even like you can't even write under your female under, under a female name right, right. under a clearly female name and i really do get that but then also there are huge there's a part of me that's been like what if i just write under chris yeah yeah well and <laughs> like, i mean it's not a lie but like <laughs> but then there's the defiant part of me that's like no fuck you yeah, yeah. like uh, but uh, it's tough it's real tough yeah. and i mean it's even jk rowling who yeah has i mean just <laughs> trashed herself and it's yeah um but you do wonder, would Harry Potter have sold as many copies if it was written as a, if, if, if from the start, people buying that book knew, knew it was a, a woman? Possibly not. The world's really sexist. We know it, this really is true. And it's <sighs> these things, and it is, it is a level of like non-explicit bias too. Yeah, like completely. you just think, especially in certain genres. Yeah. I mean, she wrote YA, but it was a, 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 mainly a male protagonist. Her other, the stuff written under a male pseudonym was like, mystery books or political thrillers i can't remember somebody would know um but like so that genre really feels like a boys club right, right. but like yeah i mean at writing horror and writing yeah. sci-fi uh, it, you gotta do they, what you gotta do and jessica like, fletcher went by jb fletcher on her books i'm just like i get it i but i hate it I know. so that's kind of why i don't want to give into it because i hate it sure and I would love to live in a world where you shouldn't even even have to ask that question of yourself. Oh, I hate yeah. it. I but hate I it. don't want to live in a world filled with the screw fly solution because that'd be very bad. You know what? I wouldn't mind. I oh, tell me more. <laughs> I don't. What? <laughs> I mean, at first blush, that might that might seem bad, but like I yeah, I can back this up. Um. Do you want to talk about what it's about? Yeah, look, give uh, give a synopsis of the episode of your fantasy, apparently. No, it's not my fantasy, mm. but, like, I got it. I understand I understand it. And, like, the how fatalistic it is and how, like, it is that whole, like, just burn it down and start again. And I was just kind of like, mm, all right. Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> so we are going to spoil this episode. We have to Hello. in order to talk about it. But you can find it on the Roku channel, on Tubi, on the IMDb channel, whatever else. So, Christine, dive in. Tell us what happens in this episode. I want to tell you what happens in this episode, but I do want to say I am very confused as to why people would think that we wouldn't like this. Well, I think it's the subject matter is, you know, for a season and a half now, we have watched stories which about 60% of them were all about just abusive women, right? And yeah, murder but of this women. this is good. Right. 
and this is a story that I think I think it was the story itself because it's funny because when we you know we've been obviously on, on you know we talk about what episode we're doing next and yeah a lot of our listeners were like oh boy I'm so worried about you guys getting to Screwfly Solution and I'm like I know I saw it before and I thought it was good and I'm thinking like what, what did I miss and I'm like well I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like oh yeah I missed it being about something that's absolutely horrific for sure but is again in the hands of Joe Dante who um isn't let's say toby hooper or isn't dario argento who uh is an intelligent man who i think has um very uh what's the word very kind of noble aims at what he's doing he apparently wanted this was a story he'd wanted to adapt forever he wanted to do a film of it um so i i kind of like the idea that season one he he does something very he uses this platform for, to say something that he felt needed to be said and in season two he kind of says okay well i can i did what i'm good at i did my comedy horror um now it's season two let me do something different let me do something different for me because this is very not him it's probably the most the darkest most serious thing he's mm-hmm. ever done because mm-hmm. almost everything joe dante does has that baby wink to it it has mm-hmm. the comedy <laughs> he's he's a funny guy and i think he can't and and not shouldn't maybe like stifle that to tell a horror story and this one is fairly straight horror yes yeah, um for sure. and I mean, I don't, and I think, in fairness, ultimately, this isn't his greatest strength as a filmmaker. Uh, this, I think, this story could be better told in in somebody else's hands. But I'm very thankful that he told it. I I don't disagree with that at all. But I am not unhappy with the way that this episode is constructed or mm-hmm. kind of unravels. Uh, just structurally, it, it is very engaging, and it is. It was it played real smooth for me. Like yeah. I didn't feel bored or like I was waiting for it. To, I was engaged. This moves quickly, but yeah. there's a lot going on, and I think it deals with it very well. Pacing wise, this one feels bigger than an hour, but it doesn't feel crunched or anything. Yeah, I just yeah. think there's a more. Um, I think there's a deeper way to tell this story. But for the format, if you only had 58 minutes to tell the story, I think this is fine. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. So um, tell us I'll, the story. I'll tell you what it's about. Okay. <laughs> so so um, it's, I feel like I need to work backwards because, but I'll tell you from the beginning. So it's about these guys that are like, uh, like disease guys. <laughs> What are they called? Yeah, disease guys. Not that. that. <laughs> Not like this is in the news or anything, but they're called disease guys. Yeah, totally. So also very relevant on multiple levels. So but... real. Oh, my God. <laughs> this. Like, this, holy shit. Oh, and even the fact that it starts. It, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the fact that it starts in the South. Right? Like, ah. There's, I, there's <sighs> a lot. Uh, oh, okay. So. There are, uh, but I don't know. They had real names, whatever. Disease so they, guys. Like, disease guys. So they have come up with this thing that like, like 
kill like mate like the screw fly thing that they talk about in the beginning where they like radio radioactive i have no words okay, so there's a way so the opening the, the opening like educational video explains the, what the definition of i guess the screw fly solution is uh-huh. which was uh cattle were dying because of a parasite this fly that was very deadly to america's cattle so scientists introduced a like mutant fly into the population that um, the issue was this mutant fly basically can't reproduce. It tries to reproduce, but just gets very aggressive and can't actually get the job done. And how over time this would just kill off the species, because if you don't have a, the male, I guess, also kills the female if it can't find her body parts correctly. So you're getting rid of the female population and just continuing this dead uh, sterile population, basically. Yeah, so that's what they did with them, them their flies. And then I, someone that I was watching this went, said, well, I mean, that was just nature trying to correct how we're over farming cattle. And I was like, yes, come to find out that's what this episode is about, uh, <laughs> which I did appreciate because I felt like my politics were really represented in this. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so Jason Priestley is coming back home to his very British wife and his daughter and also uh, Elliot Gould is there and then this cool lady who I really like oh, love named, her. her name is Bella in this I do not know who Linda Darlow is but um they're all having dinner and they're all talking about this stuff and they're like oh we're doing all this disease stuff and then she gets a call and it's because like all these all these men are killing women and there's like religion stuff. Yeah. There's a cult called the sons of Adam who are uh, very old Testament to where Eve is the problem. And their goal is to eradicate women. And it's like, uh, listen, I get it. That's terrible, but it's, it's the, it's being used to tell a more interesting in-depth story. So Bella is the best character ever. She's great. And she, and she's like, well, maybe this is happening, or whatever thing Elliot Gould and Jason Priestley fixed, well, maybe that was happening because we were all supposed to be wiped out or something. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to explain what this is about because in well, the so end, essentially, it's about aliens. Well, yeah, but first it's a plague, right? There's a plague that is spreading. Yeah. And it infects men, and what it does is it makes them super aggressive, and when they are when they are sexually aroused, their reaction to it is violence. And so they're not going around raping women, they are getting to the point where they want to, and then instead, they kill them. And Jason Priestley's character, who's like, you know... I, this is actually something I really love about this is that he is on the forefront of this, right? He is fighting the disease. He knows about it from the beginning. Him and Elliot Gould are hold a like conference with a bunch of Washington bigwigs, who of course are all men, and they say, "Here's how we solve the problem: we need all the, uh, we need all men to start. The men that are around women need to just take." be chemically castrated basically they need to be taking pills or getting a shot that's going to render them unable to perform and that's going to solve our problem and everybody in the room of course crumble 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 no we're not doing that gee isn't that relevant today when if everybody would just wear a fucking piece of cloth over their face Mm. we could get rid of this issue but i digress um but also Also hugely believable that somebody was like you would be alive and fine 
Right. You just you can't have sex. Mur- you wouldn't murder your granddaughter right. or your wife. Would you rather be able to murder <laughs> your grand your your daughter or uh, maybe have sex with her? And what I think is really, really strong about this episode is that Jason Priestley's character chooses the first that he knows and he is taking steps right he's taking pills he knows he, he's doing what he think he can but there is one thing he could do that would protect him and protect his family and he doesn't do it and and i think it's important that this episode shows that him and his wife have a really good sex life right mm-hmm. like we see them like he goes away for a long time he comes back and like the first thing they do is they have sex and like i think it's it's a case where like yes we have boobs in this episode but they're used exactly as they should be because you have this loving sex scene between two people who are in love with each other and love having sex with each other and that's important because later when he has the choice to you know protect everybody or not be able to do that anymore he takes his chances and it is the worst decision he could make because sure enough, he catches it and chaos ensues. Yeah. So I love that that happens. I think, um, and that, that happens. I, I read the story, but I can't remember all the details of it. Um, it is similar. I can't remember if he has the choice or not, um, but it's important. It's really important. Um, it's, I can't. I don't even feel like I can talk about this critically because, like, it's very good, and yeah. I don't have a single complaint about it. I really don't. Like, it's very good, and I, I think it, it's great how it's violent. I think it's great that they're like this is this is what we talked about the last time about like I'm not I'm not upset because you showed fetuses. Like, I don't fucking care. Right. I'm, I'm upset because of the content and the way in which you did stuff. Like, so I don't. I actually, the strip club scene is, I mean, it's garbage, but it's supposed to be yeah. like, it's, it's violent and awful, but it's supposed to be. And it knows it is. Yep. And there's this the scene where the woman is like, is like getting her womb slashed. Like, yeah. and it is so upsetting, but it's shot. Like it knows it's upsetting. Yeah. Not like it's great. And I think that that's the nuance that some people don't catch. They're like, well, you just hate violence. No, this is a perfect example of it because I thought that was disturbing and awesome and I liked it and I thought it was cool and it served the story. Um, But like something like Imprint, for example, which is actually, there's a clip of it in this episode. (laughs) Yes, there is. um, is, Is not that and doesn't, I don't want that and I don't want it near me and it's offensive and it's gross and I hate it. So there's... There's like you can. This is illustrating what the other side of that looks like. It doesn't have to be like that. It's one of. I mean, Joe Dante and Sam Ham are smart, and they are, I think, emotionally smart. And this, imagine like this story on on you know on paper. If you read this, uh, and if you told me here's this here's the concept of this story, who do you think is going to adapt it? My first mind would be oh, fuck, here comes another Neil LeBute project about killing women. Like, that would be what I'd picture. And that's not what you get, because you get... This story is told by men, but they're men who understand that aggressive men is a terrifying... I mean, it's an epidemic as it is. We, I mean, how many women are killed in domestic violence? How many wars are happen because of male ego and so on and so on? Yeah, and it's a problem not... That's the whole thing about, like, 
the patriarchy and and toxic masculinity doesn't just hurt women it hurts men too yeah. so yeah men can have like a like a balanced intelligent informed view on this yeah and where this goes ultimately is when all of the women are wiped out we we know there's one woman left but nobody knows that she's a woman um we it's very subtle but you start to realize that it's it doesn't end with women that the there's so towards the end now we have one woman left and she's been hiding out in i guess in canada or alaska wherever she is and you know we see very briefly that she goes to a a hardware store all the time and kind of sees the same cast of characters there Mm -hmm. and there's two guys and a younger man who then the next time she goes he's not there and i think it's very clearly implied that well there's no women left so the men start looking at younger men as the next step as the next thing they're attracted to that is weaker than them, that is smaller than them, that now they're going to wipe that out too. And it's, it's telling, it's just, it's this rash of um, just that aggressive aggressiveness and just where it can go. Um, The, I don't know if you read the quote, I read a really interesting interview with the the screenwriter, Sam Hamm, who also, I did, I did read that. Yeah. He also wrote Batman Returns and Monkey Bone. Uh, I've never seen Monkey Bone, but I know people that like it. Um, But here's, I think this is so, such an, it's a long quote, but I'm going to read it because I think it's so, (laughs) speaks to, uh, speaks to this episode and to a lot of, I think, what we're getting at with it. We knew going in that a large portion of our audience would be tuning in to see what the network executives used to call women in JEP and had probably not read their Carol Clover and their Angela Carter as closely as they should have. In fact, we used we used to joke that if there was such a thing as viral misogyny, horror movies would be the perfect transmission vector. And our producers were kind of shocked when sunny, good-hearted Joe Dante turned in such a dark, rough episode. Guys carving up strippers, gun-toting hunters chasing terrified chicks through the woods with beagles yet? Damn, you'd almost think you were watching an episode of Masters of Horror. But of course, that's part of the interrogation process of the show. If it's working, that if it's a working auto-invite. Male viewers, why exactly did you tune in for this gorefest? Do you find the prospect of viewing violence against women amusing? Titillating? Erotic? Female viewers, does that lump on the sofa next to you find this sort of stuff amusing? Titillating? Erotic? And if so, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it very, like... Yeah, this this it's I don't know it's it's just it's really smart and and I wonder with Joe Dante was he you know we we talked about it I think on the last episode or a few ago of I wonder how many of the directors watched the other directors episodes and did Joe Dante watch Imprint and watch all the other ones from season one and say okay this is the right venue to do Screwfly Solution because I feel like this is the audience that needs to hear it. Mm. It's very thoughtful of him in many ways, I think. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I texted you when I was maybe 15 minutes into it because I was very hesitant and like, is this going to be, is this awful? But it was good. And I was like, wait, I think this is good. <laughs> I know. I was, I didn't know where you were landing on it. I, I thought it was very good. Yeah, And I was very impressed by it. And I think sometimes this type of story needs to be told, this kind of like turning a mirror on yourself type sure. of story. Like, um, and I, I mean, it really it is about like 
wiping out the human race, which is, it's such, it's like a micro macro, like, <laughs> that's such a big idea. Yeah. Well, it's very and monsters it, are due on Maple Street in the end, yeah. right? Like, we, we learned that, sure enough, it's aliens <laughs> that yep. they want to take over. And the last line of the short story is, um, it's, I get, this actually follows the story very closely in terms of the details. And in the end, she, the female character also sees the alien and says something to the effect of, like, it, you know, it looked like a sparkle, it looked like an alien, or did it look like a real estate agent? Mm, because that's, that's so what we learn is happening, is the angel, the angels, they're kind of angels in their own way. The aliens want the planet, but they just need to get rid of the race that's running it, and this is their way of doing it. And yet, again, you can't blame them, because we suck! Yeah, for sure. It, it, uh, I don't know. I, I really like this. This might be my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Like, period. Yeah. I mean, I think it is, like, it, there's certain, I, it's not as sharp, it's not as, um, like, in terms of filmmaking, right? Sounds Like is a better movie in terms of, you know, what, what it's, how it uses sound and visuals and all these other things. Um, this kind of feels very made for TV to me, but that's what he had and that works mm-hmm. and that's fine it's the story is so good that it kind of to me um uh i i forgive any of the kind of filmmaking things that maybe i want to see done a little bit more impressively it's fine because it gets exactly what it needs to get done done mm-hmm. i i'm really having a hard time talking about it because i just like i liked it I liked everything it did, and I have nothing negative. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I have nothing to even discuss. I wish I had written it. It's it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want two things now. I really do want, like, I don't know, like, Karen Kasama to adapt this story. Oh. Like, I want to see yeah. big budget, um, somebody, like, ideally female director. Like, I, I want, the, I, and it's shocking that this wasn't, has. this is the only adaptation, to my knowledge, of this story. On one hand, that's really shocking. On the other hand, maybe not because maybe it's not. Yeah, like it's it's so. Imagine uh, again. I go back to Neil Labute because he's such an easy example of a filmmaker that we know hates women. Um, it would be really easy for him to say, "I want to make this this story." Well, nobody wants this guy to make the story, but I guess part of it is that you probably have so many male filmmakers that wouldn't by telling the story you really are kind of saying like deep down all men are capable of this and that's probably a hard thing for some men to, to do and to want to spend six months filming i mean i guess yeah. but like eh, i don't know yeah and it, it this uh, pe- people have had these ideas and these feelings for as long as ideas and feelings were a thing. And I don't know if we're ever going to be fully ready as a society to embrace ideas and feelings like this. Yeah. Because, I mean, we people can't even get a Birds of Prey movie without screaming how sexist it is and how terrible it is and how it pushes the feminist agenda. Can you imagine something <laughs> that actually does That does say all agenda? men are basically violent assholes in the end? Like... I, I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's, it's wild to me. I, this, I think this is just so very good. Yeah. It's so very good. Oh. And that's the other thing is it makes me really, having seen now the two Joe Dante episodes, it makes me just want to go back into everything he's done. 
Um, I think I loved you, Dante. Like, uh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, so he's this is gonna this is gonna suck and it's gonna be disappointing and ugh. And then it was like, oh, wait, actually. Well, it's funny too because I think of when I think of Joe Dante, I think like a little bit of Wes Craven in that they were both filmmakers that were almost better writers and more interesting concept guys than they were directors mm-hmm. and I mean Joe Dante actually I, I might be underselling because I think some, he has a lot of style to his stuff but it, it's almost like it's that his in, kind of intelligence and I think his sense of humor always was more interesting than the physical stuff of what's on screen Yeah, and I think that's very true here it's very true in Homecoming where but with like that he to- he told these two stories with his Masters of Horror opportunity makes me just realize that he was and is um, a smart, thoughtful filmmaker that really cared about not just telling good stories, but about communicating important things that the world needs to know at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it makes me because I I don't think I've ever given him a fair shake of really sitting down and thinking I'm going to watch a Joe Dante movie. Like I we watched Inner Space for the show a few years ago. Like I've certainly watched Gremlins anytime it's on. But I I would like to go deeper into his catalog because I think there's a lot there. And I and also I mean by the time he was making these he's older. He's you mm-hmm. know not a young man. And I find it fascinating that this is where he was evolving to. Yeah, I I think. Um... I think the se- his season one entry is interesting because he clearly came to this project with a with a with a singular understanding of of what it was going to be, and then it's kind of like he was one of the only ones that did it that way. Yeah, totally. And then I think that th- looking at this as a direct response to the season one as a whole is interesting. He's like, yeah. oh, this is what everyone else. This is what horror doing. is today. Everybody okay. just wants to see women die. Okay, let's let's look at that. Let's let's actually yeah. examine why that is. And I'm gonna end that he went so serious. Yeah, that he probably had the most success from season one, and had the one flat out comedy. And for season two, he comes in and says, "Okay, I'm gonna do not just the exact opposite of what worked in season one." But the exact opposite of mo- of what most I've, of what I've done in my career is, I'm doing something that I don't normally do, which is I am telling a serious, hard story. Yeah. Oh, I I don't know. This is this is I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. This is this is best case scenario for this show, which is uh, a tormenting. At, <laughs> at the best of times, boring. At the worst of times, makes me so angry and upset that I feel like I'm going to cry. So like this is a real. This is why. I think it's wor- they're worth looking at because occasionally totally. yeah. this wonderful thing. And it's also fascinating to see how this assignment effectively ha- was interpreted Completely. by people. Like, what is this, 2007 at this point? Yep. Um, so, like, some people I- are coming at it like, I'm going to do a Tales from the Crypt. Some people are like, this is going to be like an episode of the X-Files. I... I I just I don't know it's fascinating yeah. and then other people are like I don't know I'm gonna waste an hour of people's time and see how many boobs I can show I was gonna you. say other people are like boobs 50 minutes okay I, I can but I can get eight sets of boobs in there some of these really feel like they're like I'm going to drag out this hour and hopefully throw enough at the screen that people like that I'll fool them <laughs> that's very unkind that I'll 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 make them think that they saw something 
that they liked. And I'll set it in an abortion clinic. And then this one was like, no, I have an hour to tell a story. I'm going to use every minute of that hour to move it along. And we had a female protagonist, like a Mm -hmm. a straight female protagonist. Like this was a female protagonist and it was her fucking story. And I really appreciated that. It was... It was not like her story wrapped in other men's stories. Like, I I don't know. I don't. I, I can't say anything bad about it. No. I agree with your. I agree with your critiques for sure. About it would be. I would like to see this done differently with more time, a different voice behind it, maybe somebody younger. Like all these things, but also wow, I'm yeah. glad that this exists. Yeah. Um, I'll say two things about if uh, just just to be the the jerky devil's advocate. Two things I didn't like. Um, I just have this thing. I hate when like teenage girls who are way too old to be calling their father daddy still call them daddy, and then the mother refers to him as daddy. So the whole entire movie is like daddy, daddy. Look, like, look, stop. Jason Bruce get daddy. I is it because it's a sex thing too? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I just yeah. always find it weird. <laughs> I, no, I don't I need to judge you. other women, but it just always creeps me out. I mean, I don't have a father, and I never called mine that when yeah. I did. So, like, I get that. But, like, also, like, I don't know. This is, It's an infantilization thing that I'm not in love with. Mm-hmm. But I get – and I and I get that critique. Um, I had something that I, that I thought of. Oh, my, it was a positive. Never mind. I thought it was a negative. <laughs> was it that the beagles were a little too cute to be scary at the end? The beagles were so cute. were so cute. I loved the aliens. The aliens looked like beautiful models, and I loved them. It worked. It makes it makes sense, and it's also really close to how the story describes them. Uh, that's what I said to Zach. Zach said, "I wonder, I wonder what the like. I wonder what more is here. Like, why do they look like? Like, obviously, we can assume why they look that way, and like we can make our own jumps and stuff. And I said, "Well, I wonder if they're like that because they're explicitly described like that in the story." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should definitely read it. It's it's pretty quick, and that's the link that I put up there goes right yes, to the I story. Did see that. Yeah, it's it's worth worth a read. Different definitely. Look, I could have read it this morning, but I chose to refresh Twitter over and over again and get depressed. So I mean, yeah, we're all at that state of life, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I loved it. I yeah. wish we rated things nine. <laughs> that's fine. We can give it nines. Um, I'm. It, this will, unless something shocking happens, this will be my favorite of the season easily. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's really good stuff, and it, I recommend. Obviously, we both recommend it. So Woo! go go have at it, everybody. I would I would watch this again. What? And like in like two years, I'd be like, huh. You know what? Yeah. I really liked it. I would watch it again. This is one I'd actually really like to. I wonder if it's on DVD with commentary because I'd love to hear the commentary track. Ugh. All right, I'll stop talking. I'll stop just repeating that I liked it. <laughs> That's my helpful review. I liked it, and I don't want to say anything else about it. Well, on that note, when next we meet, we'll be talking about <laughs> Mick Garris's segment, Valerie on the Stairs. Don't have to worry about this happening again. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. Stay away from women. That's my motto. But I can't. Neither can I. That's my trouble. You can't live with them. You can't live without them. There's something irresistible-ish about them. We grin and bear it cause the nights are long. I hope that something better comes along. I see what you mean. It's no good complaining and pointless to holler. If she's a beauty, she'll get under your collar. She made a monkey out of old King Kong. I hope that something better comes along. 
still it's fun when you're fetching and agree to see an etching that you keep at your lily pad there is no solution it's part of evolution the bitter patter of souls the little feet of tadpoles tadpoles don't have feet oh sorry about that two three four there's no limitation to mixing and matching some get an itching for a critter they've been scratching a skunk was badgered the results were strong i hope it's something better i hope it's something better i hope that something better comes along Kermit the Frog. You Kermit the Frog? Yeah. Phone. Huh. It's not often you see a guy that green have the blues that bad.